Badger, you are back with me today. We're excited about our study of the book of Daniel, and maybe it's been a little heavy so far the first three days because we've been dealing with quite a bit of history and quite a bit of background, but it's essential to really understand what was going on. We're talking now about the plan that the king of Babylonia, King Nebuchadnezzar, had as he took the choice young men of Israel and brought them back to Babylon with him, and he set over them one of his finest teachers to teach them, and he wanted to erase everything that had to do with their past life, with their life back in in Jerusalem, back in Judah, and he wanted to make them thoroughly Babylonians because he wanted them to serve in his court. He wanted them to be some of his finest officials. Now, the first part of his plan was to educate them in the literature and language of Babylon, the scripture says. So what he's saying is he wants to educate them to his way of thinking. Now, this was a three-year course. At that time, Babylon was a center of ancient learning. There were great libraries there. Uh, here we, There were scholars who copied painstakingly every little legend or omen that had come down out of the past. Here were men who calculated the eclipses of the sun, watched the moon's changes, and looked nightly from observatories upon the constellations in the sky. Babylon was the center or the capital of education of that day. These three young men were instructed in all the worldly wisdom of this land and by the finest scholars and foremost teachers. And Daniel and his friends had a hunger for learning, and every believer ought to have a hunger for learning. They wanted to achieve. They wanted to be taught. But they didn't always believe what they were taught. You see, that's the difference. If you have convictions, if you know where you stand, if you know the word of God, then you can decipher between that which is true and that which isn't. And sometimes there's a thin line there, and sometimes it's not easy to tell. But the Holy Spirit has to enlighten us and enable us. And Moses, you remember, was taught in all the wisdom and arts of the Egyptians, but he didn't accept a lot of it. He continued to believe in Jehovah God. But God wants his people to be well-trained. Saul of Tarsus, for example, was a brilliant man with a tremendous education, and God used him because he didn't allow that education to become his downfall. Now, for a while it did, and for a while he believed everything that he had been taught, but then God showed him the truth, and he was able to decipher between false and true. So <clears throat> the training was for the purpose of making them thoroughly Babylonians. And there's a real battle going on today in America. And it has all kinds of names. Humanism is what it originally was called, secular humanism. And it is simply to believe in man, to believe in what we can do. It's, it's uh, somewhat like a religion, I would say because it, uh, it's a deal where we begin to think that we are God and we can do everything that we need to do. And I could go into a lot of the background of it, but I don't want to take time to do that today. But I just want to say a little bit about that everywhere you go in America, in the schools, there's a tremendous emphasis on humanism and the power of man, and there's a push toward getting God out of everything and, uh, and getting God away from everything. Now, we can't, we can't keep our kids from hearing this and our grandkids. We have to, but we have to teach them the truth. We have to give them the word of God. We have to help them understand that. I, I remember how 
the first time I began to come in contact with some of this years ago, as a young man, I was overwhelmed by it at first, but then the more I looked at it, the more I realized this is not right. This is not what God says. This is not the truth. And another approach that they did to fit these young men for their purposes was to fit their, them into their environment. They gave them new names. They didn't allow them to keep their Hebrew names. And the three friends were, were, were called different names because God wanted to destroy everything that related them to the God of Israel. This would indicate they had devout parents who named them, every one of their names somehow related to God. And they, they must have had godly homes and godly parents. Uh, Daniel's name meant God is my judge. And Daniel was to be a man of God on earth, and he was to be judged not by man, but by God. The final word's not with man, it's with God. And that's a name that was good for him. But they changed his name to Belshazzar, which means the prince of Baal, or Baal is my prince. Baal was one of the chief gods of the Babylonians. They wanted to change Daniel from a worshiper of Jehovah God to a worshiper of Baal. They wanted to lead him away from his relationship to God to a relationship to a false god. It's interesting that not once in the book of Daniel does God or the Holy Spirit or the angels or the prophet himself, when he speaks or is addressed by God of heaven, that the word Belshazzar is ever used. He is always called Daniel. You see, God does not forsake his name. God knows who he is. He is his man, and he is his son, and he's going to use him in a special way. The name was intended to be a flattering title because Satan's idea was to get rid of God, and they, they wanted to call Daniel a prince of Baal, but he refused to accept the name or comply to its implications. You see, everywhere he went, he was called by others, Belshazzar, but he called himself Daniel. God is my judge. I'm committed. I'm not committed to Baal, though that is my name used by others. That is not my name. Of his friends, Hananiah, his name meant the Lord is gracious, the grace of God. They changed his name to Shadrach, which meant illumined by the sun god, as bright as the sun god. Forget the grace of God, but worship the sun god and let your life be committed to him. That was what they wanted to do, is to change his whole concepts. Michelle, whose name meant who and what is God, was changed to Meshach, which means who and what is Venus or Aphrodite, the goddess of love and impurity. Turn away from the great god of the people of Israel, and accept the false gods that they worshipped. Azariah was the fourth young man whose name means the Lord is my help or the Lord helps. And they changed his name to Abednego, which means the servant of Nego. Nego was the goddess of culture and education. This was the subtle way of saying, if you want to be smart, if you want to have sense, if you want to have education, if you want to have intelligence, if you want to be of Babylonia, you have to worship those kind of things. But they refused to accept that standard, and, and they rejected it. And because they rejected it, God was able to use them in mighty ways. And Daniel could not avoid being captured by the Babylonians. He could not prevent the king from taking him from, Babylon to Jerus from Jerusalem to Babylon. He could not keep the king from changing his name. He could not keep the king from teaching him things that he did not believe were true. But there was one thing he could do. He could refuse to live like his name. He said, you may change my name, but you're not going to change my character and my faith. 
in the living God. That is a great testimony and a great example to us what God wants to do in our lives. I hope you will do that today. Let be true to the faithful God who's faithful to you. Have a great day. God bless you.